all listeners welcome to itihasa a indic history podcast and you're listening to episode 54 of the season vijayanagara that had started in the mid of 2020 and this would also be the last episode for this vijayanagara gajapati war mini series in the previous episode we had looked at the fascinating stratagem laid by shri krishna devaraya's loyal prime minister Salavatimarasu to extricate his lord from a most difficult situation he put himself and his army in behind the enemy lines in a rush for a quick victory and glory we also had seen how salavatimarasu came up with the idea of forging letters from the 16 of gajapati's mahapatras and making it seem like the vassals of gajapati were actively conspiring with the vijayanagara emperor to betray prataparudra on the day of the battle the previous episode ended with timmarasu telling his 16 officers that if anyone was to stop them while transporting the 16 boxes filled with precious ornaments to the 16 mahapatras that they shouldn't resist them and when taken to the enemy commander they had to fully cooperate with him and let the enemy commander find out what they were doing and who they were visiting in the gajapati camp meanwhile subuddhi the officer who had been sent by the gajapati to keep him updated of all that was happening learned that vijayanagara officers were secretly proceeding towards the gajapati camp with 16 boxes and he hurried to write up a message about this to warn prataparudra and it is from here we shall continue the story today Gajapati's loyal officer Subuddhi who had been monitoring the activity in the Vijayanagara royal camp writes this quick message to his sovereign quote I have evidence from some spies who were on the way from the Karnataka camp to ours that there is a group of officers on the road and that they are carrying large boxes towards our camp this appears highly suspicious something should be done about it immediately unquote As soon as Prataparudra had read Subuddhi's letter he ordered his men to go and capture the Vijayanagara officers and seize their boxes which were of course full of the priceless ornaments that Timmarasu had packed up as though meant for the 16 vassals of the Gajapati The Oriya soldiers brought the Vijayanagara captives before Prataparudra and had the boxes opened when he noticed the letter from Shri Krishna Devaraya addressed to his mahapatras he ordered one of his aides to read it out aloud as soon as prataparudra heard the polite compliments laced with sarcasm and hidden grudges at the beginning of the letter prataparudra's mind began racing and it was boiling with anger as expected he is supposed to have shouted out like this quote the truth is out from the very beginning those traitors must have been taking note of each time i got angry with them the jewels and letters are clear proof of that i trusted those 16 patras and that's why i'm here about to start a decisive battle is there no limit to their treachery jagannatha my lord how could you lead me into such a calamity from now on i must trust no one unquote So just as Timmarasu had expected Prataparudra took the bait right away 
that was designed to exploit his insecurity and fears about his vassals. Following his angry outburst, Prataparudra drives away the 16 Vijayanagara officers who were captured with the boxes and ensures that they are far away from the city. After this, he himself flees to the north, going a distance of 50 kilometers somewhere safe. The next morning, the 16 Patras prepared themselves for the battle and came to the Gajapati's palace. Stopping the palace gate, they told their servants to go and tell the Gajapati to get ready to leave for the battle. Since the Gajapati had informed the guardians of the palace gate that he was leaving, they told the Patras, servants of the matter, explaining that the Gajapati had secretly fled the city in middle of the night. The 16 Patras were astonished to hear this and immediately began consulting with each other in this manner. Quote, It would be too great a disgrace for us to go and follow him now, wherever he is. To do what he has done right before the battle stands as the clearest violation of trust. He has acted in despair without giving the least consideration to what is in the city's best interest. Well, he will find out for himself soon enough." Unquote. After protesting like this, they all rode home to their own respective forts and provinces. With this major development, Timmarasu had successfully and almost magically achieved his ultimate goal of not only saving his emperor from an impending disgrace, but also for turning what would have been a strategic defeat and retreat into a shocking victory without firing a single shot. It would be apt to remind the listeners of the famous axiom from the 6th century BC classic Sun Tzu's Art of War. The axiom says, every battle is won before it's ever fought. Victory is not just winning the battle. Killing is not the most important thing. Destabilizing your op- opponent is. If the battle is won but the opponent's forces and country are obliterated, that is a lesser victory than if you are able to overcome them and force a surrender. If one can weaken the opponent's resolve and force them to concede with their nation intact, the victory is more successful. The people on both sides will have greater respect for a battle won with integrity than one uh, one one through total destruction. Winning the psychological battle is a lot more crucial and may avoid a physical one or at least give it a decisive conclusion. If the surrender comes before a battle is fought, all the better. Killing should only be a matter of necessity to survive, not the goal of the mission. When Krishnadevaraya heard of this news about the 16 Mahapatras leaving the field in disgust for their Gajapati sovereign, he had the battle drum sounded and marched into the capital of Orissa, which was the city of Katak. The Raya stopped there and ordered Subuddhi's men to stand guard in pairs at the gates of the fort. And at the entrance to the palace inside the city, so that no one would be able to enter the palace. 
and it said in rai vachakmo that after this the raya had a pillar of victory set up in simhadri as a memorial for not just this great victory over the gajapati but also a subtle symbol for vijayanagara's and krishnadevaraya's revenge for the brief gajapati capture of vijayanagara during its predecessor time after the raya had conveyed his intentions subuddhi immediately wrote a letter to the gajapati to inform him of the same when the gajapati read this letter he was supposedly overjoyed and returned immediately to his city i personally wonder if he was indeed overjoyed or was he suspecting an ambush maybe both but we will never know but my what i think is maybe he was genuinely overjoyed considering the fact that in those days there was this strong code of honor among hindu kings of their stature and might have they might have not contemplated such an heinous betrayal that would have tarnished their legacy and glory with the blood of regicide once pratap rudra gajapati realized that the 16 mahapatras had actually committed no wrong he had a spy summon them back to the capital and made good with them rai vachakmo details a short conversation between these two powerful kings prataparudra and krishnadevaraya at this point quote a broken family damaged tanks and wells a fallen kingdom one who comes seeking refuge cows and brahmans and temples of the gods supporting these is four times as meritorious unquote and then prataparudra continues to say polite and words befitting a king to this krishnadevaraya responds by saying after all is there any real difference between you and me he too reciprocates to prataparudra's praises with his own generous praises and fine presents that included ornamented garments for his part the gajapati presented his daughter jaganmohini to the raya and poured water to seal their marriage to honor his new son-in-law and his daughter the gajapati in addition to the usual presents and ornaments he also gave krishnadev raya in dauri all the kingdoms south of the krishna river that were under gajapati control with all their forts fortresses elephants horses and foot soldiers of those lands prataparudra also gave a vast collection of the nine gems equal in value to the nine gemmed ornaments sent by timarasu to the 16 mahapatras earlier it is recorded that he also gave chinese porcelains and chinese silk as gifts Of course the most credit for this goes to the raya's prime minister Saluva Timarasu It was his guile and genius to not only turn a losing position into a victorious one but also for spearheading the negotiations between both the kings in a masterful way that oversaw the conciliation of two great hindu powers of the time that were hell bent on destroying each other The war between the Gajapati kingdom and Vijayanagara was not just a war between two powers 
It was also a war between Krishnadevaraya and Pratapurudra, who hated each other to their core. Pratapurudra had considered Krishnadevaraya as a dasi putra, so he didn't respect him and never treated him as someone from a royal lineage. So it was all the more important for Krishnadevaraya to exert himself through might and power on to Prataparudra to show that he, even though he might have not come from a royal lineage, but he was nevertheless royal in his power and character. Timbarasu clearly paved the path for permanent peace between the two kingdoms. Wherein the Gajapati ceding willingly his kingdom south of the river Krishna and Krishnadevaraya agreeing to leave the territories of Gajapati kingdom that he had conquered on the north of the river. After a successful conclusion of this long and intense war with the Gajapati Sion, the Raya arrived at Tirupati and offered his prayers and gratitude to the Lord Venkateshwara and the goddess Alamelumanga. He made a gift of gold and cash and worshipped the Lord by giving him all sorts of ornaments and precious jewels. These precious jewels and the bejeweled crown gifted by Sri Krishnadevaraya almost 500 years back are still present on the main Virata Murti of Lord Venkateshwara in Tirupati. While it's a different matter and I'll be tragic that the supposedly secular state government of India over the last few decades has pillaged not just the sacred undi or treasury of Lord Venkateshwara but also the lands and these antique jewels. Unfortunately, this is the sorry state of our Hindu temples in a country where the majority are Hindu and their religious freedoms don't matter as much to the state and their sacred spaces and deities are treated as a cow to be milked till it bleeds to death. In no other part of the world this sort of thing occurs and it's a very strange case of self-inflicted travesty among us Hindus. Coming back to the story, Krishnadevaraya also performed the 16 great donations at Tirupati and then had a copper image made of himself with his hands folded in respect and flanked by his queens, Tirumala Devi and Chinna Devi, so that he could always remain standing there in the eastern doorway to attend on his beloved Lord Venkateshwara. These exquisite copper idols to this day are standing in the same spot Tirumala Tirupati. It's really hard to miss for anyone who's gone for the divine darsanam of the Lord while going in. After setting up these copper images before the Lord, Krishnaraya departed and went to Sri Kalahasti, where he worshipped Lord Shiva with gifts and ornaments made of the nine gems. Sri Kalahasti temple is located in the town of Sri Kalahasti in the state of Andhra Pradesh in India. It is one of the most famous Shiva temples in South India and is said to be the site where Kannappa was ready to offer both his eyes to cover blood flowing from the Linga before Shiva stopped him and granted him moksha. Sri Kalahasti temple, situated 36 km away from Tirupati, is famous for its Vayulingam, one of the Panchabhutasthalams representing wind. The temple is also regarded as Rahu Ketu Kshetra 
in Dakshina Kailasam. The inner temple was constructed around 5th century. The outer temple was constructed in the 11th century by Rajendra Chola the 1st. Later Chola kings and the Vijayanagara kings too made some modifications. Shiva in his aspect as Vayu is worshipped as Kalahasteshwara. It is really interesting to see a deeply Vaishnavite Krishnadevaraya also worshipping Lord Shiva as intensely during his successful tour. And this is one of the most defining aspects of Vijayanagara rulers. They went to great lengths to ensure a semblance of balance between the two competing sects. This interesting feature of the empire will be dealt with in a dedicated episode soon. From Sri Kalahasti, the Raya embarks on a whirlwind pilgrimage of religious and sacred centers like Madurai, Sri Villiputtur, Tirunelveli, Shankara Narayanagudi, Tenkashi, Agastya Parvatam, Gajendra Moksham, Kurungudi and Kanyakumari. And finally, he visits the legendary Ramasetu, the original site of the bridge to Sri Lanka and worshipped Lord Rama. Raya then crossed the sea in rafts and washed his royal sword in the sacred waters at Dhanushkoti. Returning to Ramasetu, he bathed in the sea there and then performed the Raya Tulabharam, which is like king in the balance ceremony and other donations. He worshipped the deities of Kashi Vishveshwara, Ramalinga Swami and Goddess Parvatavardhana too. For three nights, he remained there in worship and then finally after bathing in the Koti Thirdam pool, he took leave of the god who dwells there and began his return to the capital of Hampi. Finally, he reached Gokarna in Karnataka where he worshipped Gokarneshwara and his consort Brihadamba. He did Pradarshanam around the Bakula grove and bathed in the Gokarna Thirtha and Manakanna Thirtha. He is supposed to have gifted all sorts of ornaments to the goddess there. From there, he went to Sri Rangapatnam where he worshipped Adi Ranganayaka. Finally, at an auspicious moment, the Raya entered his own capital, Hampi, also known as Vijayanagara, Vidyanagara. He worshipped Vithala and Virupaksha and gave them gifts, after which he entered his palace. There he stopped and bowed to pay his respects to his elders before entering his court. Sitting on the lion throne at an auspicious moment and finally holding a formal court. There in the court in the presence of everyone, he had Salavatimarasu sit on a jewel studded carpet and showered him first with the jewels and then with gold. He presented him with four ceremonial garments and gave him all sorts of ornaments. The level of honour and prestige being bestowed upon his loyal minister showed how much the Raya valued and loved the Mrasu. Even more so, after the dramatic slate of hand he had pulled at the last moment to save Krishnadeva Raya from a difficult situation. And with this, we shall end this episode here and also the Vijayanagara Gajapati war mini-series that charted the trajectory of both these great Hindu powers, culminating with the dramatic victory of Sri Krishna Devaraya. 
I sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed this episode and the mini series. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening. A huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope to see you soon in the next episode. Till then, this is Narendra Vikram, your host and narrator, signing off. Hope you have a great week ahead.